theme of this collection is pursuit. And I think that it's something that it's a topic that everybody can relate to. I don't know of a single book, a single story, at least a good story, a good movie that doesn't have some kind of pursuit in it. So in fact, I would say that the pursuit in the movie, sometimes it's a, you know, a, a villain who's pursuing something that's nefarious or a, a treasure, money, something you know, that's not, not great, maybe revenge. There's, there's pursuits that are not positive. And there are pursuits that are very positive. You know, there's pursuits and, and conquest and, and victories and triumphs. There's, uh, there's always seems to be a pursuit of love in every story. That there's someone who's, you know, in love with someone else in the whole movie. And then they, you know, they kiss and everything's great. You know, I saw one movie. I won't tell you the name of the movie. Uh, so in case you see it, but the whole movie, it was a long movie. It was back in the Civil War times, and you know this this uh, male and female, they were looking for each other, and they almost got close, you know, and then they uh, law, you know, got lost. And the whole, I mean, for two and a half hours, it was a pursuit. <laughs> they were finally coming down the road, and the guy got shot in the back. I'm like, well, come on. That is just, and it, it, this angers my wife. She's like, you know, she's ready to storm out of the theater. I can't believe we wasted two and a half hours on this pursuit. <laughs> the pursuit really is the fuel of the movie, if you think about it. They're, they're, they're always trying to get something, catch somebody, you know, fall in love, all those types of things. So we're going to look at this, this sense of pursuit because sometimes we are the ones that are called to pursue. There are sometimes we are the ones that are pursued, and this is where we start today in a very broad uh, measure as we, as we uh, start this journey of pursuit. So I'm going to say this uh, as we begin. You are pursued. You are a pursued person, and we will look at the different ways here in the first few weeks, but you are pursued by God. And so nestled in the New Testament are this, this little suite of three stories in Luke chapter 15, many of you, if you know the Bible, will know this. It's the, the, these three stories, and, and there's the stories of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. But in, nestled within that is a pursuit. And these stories that Jesus told was really to, for several reasons, when you look at the, these stories, if you look at the deeper end. Some people say this represents the church. Some people say the nation of Israel between the, you know, in the context of the story. We're going to read into, we're going to, to read these stories through the lenses of the passion of God's pursuit of you. We're told in Psalm 139 that God knows you from the beginning before you take your first breath. It's important to the story of, the, of, of being pursued. And so we are we, we know from the very beginning, the very beginning of the human race, when Adam was created, and of course Eve was created from, from Adam uh, by the power of God, and then they walked together, and we, we, we don't know exactly what that looked like and fu fully, and the, the, the intimacy that God had with Adam and Eve, it must have been a, an incredible, uh, a beautiful thing, there was there was you know, no, no flaws in it. It was just, a, it truly was paradise. And then, of course, Adam and Eve, they, they stepped off the line of, of walking with God. They stepped off the line of, uh, of really uh, being in rhythm with God. And then everything uh, turned dark. Everything began to die. The relationship was separated with God. And yet in that moment, 
we see the heart of God. I don't know how you are when you've been betrayed, but typically I don't feel like pursuing the person that betrayed me. I don't know how you feel when you've been hurt or someone's talked about you or whatnot. Our natural tendency is maybe to pursue, but not in a great way, but to pursue in love is, is quite amazing. We see it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. After, they, after Adam and Eve had sinned against God and broken their rhythm with God, the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God pursued them. He called out to them. He, he moved in toward them and said, where are you? It reminds me that in our worst moment, God still pursues us. We have to ask ourselves, why is that? Why is God so distinctive? Why is it so important to him? I think about Hagar. If you remember, she was, she was uh, 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 physically and emotionally abused and had run away and was in the wilderness. And God said, where are you coming from? He pursued her. Where are you coming from and where are you going to? I remember Moses today, and he was in the back 40 because he had shelved himself because he was a fugitive. He had murdered a man, and no one would pursue him, you would think. And God says, I'm not done with you. Not only am I pursuing you to love you, but I'm pursuing you to use you in his worst moment. I mean, you can pick almost any story in the Bible God has pursued people in their worst moments. Thomas, who completely doubted who Jesus was and, and what he stood for in the resurrection. And Jesus said, here, touch my hands. I'm going to pursue you. And, and, and give you the opportunity. Peter, one of his closest disciples and friends, had, had completely turned his back on Jesus after the resurrection. And, and, and uh, Jesus came to him and said, look, will you love me more than these? I want you to be in the game. The pursuit of God is amazing. But not only does God pursue us in our worst moments, I will say to you that God pursues us in our best moments. My, the story of my life, as I've shared with you guys many times, I was on the top of my game when I, when I sensed the pursuit of God. There are plenty of people that are in the Bible that by the world standards were living a very successful life. Sometimes this is when we see God the least, when things are going well. We sometimes reach out to God when things are going horrible and the bottom has dropped out. But when things are going well, we'd ask ourselves, maybe we wouldn't say it out loud, but we would say, why do I need God? Things are going so great. Why would I need God? And then in those moments, God still pursues the rich young ruler in the Bible. God still pursues those people that in, by uh, all uh, looks from the outside, uh, Saul, you know, who became Paul, he, he was educated. He, he had a lot going for him. And so God said, I'm still pursuing you. So don't ever trick yourself that God only pursues you at the bottom of your life. God pursues you at the top of your life. God pursues you in the middle of your life. God pursues you in the bottom of your life. So we can say it out loud. God pursues you. God is a pursuer. So what I want to look at is why is that? Why, what is it that drives God? So we find ourselves now in this little collection of three parables, three stories that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15, we're going to park there today if you like to uh, follow along in your Bible or your device. So if you want to turn there or flip there or swipe there or whatever you want to do. 
Jesus is telling this story, and he begins by putting the other person in the driver's seat. It's a brilliant approach to storytelling. Watch this. In Luke chapter 15, in the verse, first part of verse 4, Luke 15, 4, he says, suppose one of you. You see how he starts? I just want to think about, I want you to think about if this were you, if this were yourself. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Jesus, in, in, as he interacted with people, said, hey, there's two kinds of shepherds. There's the kind that's called a hireling. I'm just here to minimum wage. I'm not really bought in. I'm really not, you know, and, and you know, there, there's a, there's a pie, uh, you know, slice of the pie of, of Christians that, hey, I'm just here to get what I can get out of it. I'm not completely bought into this whole thing, but, you know, I know I should have kind of relationship with God. I know I should probably, you know, pray once in a while, et cetera. And, you know, it's, it, it can happen. It, it happens to all of us. It's happened to me at times. I mean, I'm just, man, I'm, I'm kind of dog paddling in this thing rather than a full out, you know, uh, uh, swim and whatnot. So he said, look, there, there are a couple of kind of shepherds. One is a hireling, but the other one is a true shepherd. And there's a difference because there's ownership. You see, Jesus was tapping in. Suppose one of you was a shepherd and you were the right kind of shepherd. You were bought into your sheep. You were really, 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 uh, uh, you loved them. And you said, man, it matters to me when one of them is missing. Suppose you have that. And so he begins about talking about ownership because when you think of these three stories, Every object of the story was pre-owned, pre-owned. The coin was pre-owned. The sheep was pre-owned. The son was pre-owned to a certain, in other words, there was a possession. This wasn't something that, you know, someone else owned. It wasn't something that, you know, you owned and you lost. Because, look, to, to be honest with you, if you come in and say, hey, um, after church, you know, the whole room is clear, you come in and say, hey, I lost my car keys. I'm like, man, that's too bad. I might do a little bit of this action. Huh, I don't see them. That's the end of that. <laughs> I mean, I might put a little effort into it, but it's not going to be the effort you're going to put into it. Why? Because you're not leaving without your car. It's your car. It's not my car. Just yesterday, I'm in my house. I'm like, hey, has anybody seen my phone? This guy got, nope. I'm like, well, that didn't say, I don't think there was any search going on. How do I know? It only took you a half a second to say no. Has anybody seen my phone? Nope. It's not laying there beside my couch? Nope. You're in the kitchen. You didn't even look. I caught you. See how that rolls? Suppose one of you owned these sheep. It would make a difference. See, Psalm 100 and verse 3, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. This is the difference. Jesus is saying, let me give you a picture of the pursuit of God. He created you. It makes a difference. You see, if we just came from evolution, if we just came from some spore on some planet, then who cares? God's not going to be, but you are his possession. He created you. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. It really makes a difference. A few years ago, we were in New York City, me and my family. It was cold, snow was kind of flying. We were walking down a street. I remember the street we were on. It was in Soho, and we were just, we just kind of walked the street sometimes, and, you know, hey, let's go in this shop, et cetera. I had assumed that, the, you know, the, the McCoy tribe was all, you know, connected and together. 
And uh, we, we was like, hey, that, that, that looks like a neat storefront. Let's go in. So we went in. We went in. Well, we minus one went in. <laughs> My youngest son, who was probably around 12 at the time, is like his dad. Very right-brained. Oh, that is such a cool flag. And, you know, as you're walking down the street, paying no attention to any details, I've gotten lost in my life more than I want to ever confess. I, I could never find my way back. I was super thankful when Siri came out and was, you know, invented, created, whatever she is. And so I, you know, now we have that. But he, we all three of us went into the store. And you know how it is when you live up north. You got, you know, 15 pounds of stuff on, you know, the hat, the scarf, the, you know, and it takes, even when you're going in the store, it takes a little while to declothe to a certain level. Don't get crazy. So, you know, you're, you're taking off the, the deal, and, you know, we're Floridians, so we got extra, and, you know, they were taking all this stuff off. And then it hit us. That shocking moment, if you've ever been a parent, he's missing. But not just he's missing, a boy is missing. And not just a boy is missing, our boy is missing. And in that moment, we were panicked. And I'm like, okay, I went into, you know, commander mode. I'm like, okay, uh, Ty, you look in that part of the store. I'm, you look in that part of the store. I'm hitting the street. And so we went in. The desperation, because it was my boy, that's the thing that drove that search. This is the thing that drives you. Maybe you're sitting here today. I'm like, I don't know if God's pursuing you. God is pursuing you. God is the one that created you. We're told in the New Testament, it is in him that we move and have our being, our very breath, everything we have, our life. God has created. God is the source of all things, including you. There is a pursuit in every great story, including yours. And so we look at this and we say, man, this is what, why God pursues us. Watch this, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will look for my sheep and look after them. I didn't send a store clerk out to look for my boy. I didn't send someone that I've never met to look. Hey, I lost my son. I'm kind of in here shopping. I just saw a cool shirt over here. Do you mind going looking for my son in one of the largest cities in the U.S.? I myself went. God himself is looking for you, pursuing you. And then in verse uh, 14, look at this. In the second verse, part of verse 4, chapter uh, 15, verse 4, in the second half, Jesus says, suppose one of you has 100 sheep, loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and pursue and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? He's going to pursue. You know why? Because if you look at the life of sheep, have you ever, have you ever heard those stories, by the way? I want to show you a picture I brought in a picture of Gigi. You're like, hey, who's Gigi? Well, this is Gigi. Let me, let me show you a picture of Gigi. This, this uh, yes, that's Gigi right there. I love how people love pets so much. Like, oh, so awesome. If I put a picture of myself, you're like, come on, man, get over, get over. But So uh, Gigi was in a home with two other dogs. So there were three dogs all together. And... The other two dogs were always fighting with each other. So the homeowner, the dog owner, the pet owner said, you know, I'm going to take Gigi and put Gigi in another home because I think, you know, it's going to get hurt. And so took Gigi and put her in another home. Gigi ran away from that home 16 
days, 23 miles later, in the flying snow of winter, Gigi shows up to the house. You've heard these stories, right? Cats are infamous for this. I mean, cats realize nobody likes them, so they got to put... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. You know, the whole cat thing is right up there with Republican Democrats. You just don't want to mention certain things. And <laughs> you know, it's amazing. But have, let me ask you a question. Come on. Have you ever heard of a sheep story like that? Like there, you know, Baba the sheep traveled, you know, 28 miles to find his way home. They don't do it. God recognizes that not only he owns us, but he recognizes, see, I'm not sure that my boy could find his way back in that city that day. The reason God pursues us is that we often can't find our way back. What would, have Adam, what would Adam have done? Think about it. Had God not said, hey, where are you? Where are you? We need God to pursue us or we may not come back. You look at the story of the prodigal son, it says he came to his senses and he returned back. But you know, the Bible, if you look at the full picture, it is the Spirit of God that allows us to come back to our senses. God is not uninvolved when we come to our senses. God is not uninvolved when even if you're not a Christian and you're exploring God and you think, hey, you know what? I might, I think I'm interested in God. God is in that mix. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. I look back on my own story. For three years, I pursued God, and then I discovered, actually, it was God pursuing me. You see how that works? And so when, he's, when we see this story, we recognize, number one, the sheep's probably not going to find his way back. But here's the second thing. If you're thinking of your list, if you made a list of ferocious animals, uh, is a sheep on that list. I've never seen a sheep get ferocious. You know, what would they do? Like, stand up on their backs and hoof someone? I don't know, do they have hoofs? <laughs> Club someone like, you know, or, and then, you know, I don't know what they would, bite them? Do they have teeth? I don't know. I should have done more research on sheep. God understood that left to herself, they can't find their way, their way back. God understood that left to themselves, they're going to get attacked. This dad understood the reason for my passion was it was my boy. He can't find himself back. He's in a big city, and he's going to get hurt unless I get out and go. I don't think, if I remember correctly, I even put my coat on. That desperation, don't you think God feels? Because... You're his. You're his. And watch this. Isaiah 53, if you don't think you've lost your way, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way, so we all are pursued. Luke 15, verse 4, second half again, with a different emphasis. What's the implication? Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep? Say it with me. Until... That is the extent of God's search. You know, when God gives up on his pursuit, 
when you take your last breath. God, in our lives, in my life, in your life, looks and looks and looks and looks and looks. I don't care if you're 12 or you're 92. God is still pursuing you. And it doesn't mean we've got to be lost. God pursues us in his life, in our lives. God wants to say, let me let's take it to the next step. God is always actively leaning in until he is an until pursuer that he will keep pursuing, pursuing, pursuing until he finds it. I don't know about you. I hate looking for stuff. I mean, and I feel like I do it a lot. What, what are your, it's that right brain thing, like, you know, hey, 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 welcome home, hey, good to see you, I'm just throwing stuff all over the house, and for the life of me, this is my phone, it will be my last black phone, I need white, neon, hot pink, something, because I throw it on a black thing like that, a black chair like that, and it's all over, man, I've searched for that phone, I bet you, you know, if you have one of those little pedometer things, I bet you I've walked 500 miles looking for stuff. <laughs> inside my own house. Watch this now. Here's the goal of, of the pursuit. Okay, Here's the goal of the pursuit. Very important. Verse 5, Luke 15. When he finds it, the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. You know what's missing in that? Condemnation. Do you hear anywhere in this story where Jesus said, what are you doing out here? I don't have to leave 99 to, to come out for your sorry sheep brains. What are you doing out here? Come here, take him by the neck, kind of rough him back, you know. No, Jesus came and he joyfully said, I'm going to put you. This is the heart of God. God is saying, this is my heart. I love you. I, man, I can't wait to see you. Oh, I, and I know that sometimes we just feel out of rhythm with God, but God is always love. God cannot not love. He is, it's like water is wet. Water cannot not be wet or not be wet or not 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 be wet somewhere in there. I, I'll get hit it. Water's always wet. You stick your hand in water, it's always going to be wet. You stick your hand in God, it's always going to be love. So when he shows up, he says, I love you. And it's a joyful reunion. And notice he puts him on his shoulders. He carries the weight because it gets awful tiring out there. I'm speaking to a lot of people who feel disconnected. They feel disconnected from people because of the pandemic, but they're starting to feel disconnected from God. And in that disconnection, there's a lot of weight. I don't know about you guys, but, man, when I'm not in rhythm with God, there's just this kind of weight. It's almost hard to describe. There's something that, ah, life's not right, and it just, it just feels off, and it gets tiring, and the longer you're away from God, the more tiring and the more, you know, weighty it gets. And, and then Jesus comes along and said, hey, I'm going to put you on my shoulders. I'm reminded in Matthew 11, 28, Come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. I'll carry you. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. 
want to, when he finds it, this lost sheep in Luke chapter 15, 5, he puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Home is the place for every single person that feels right. Uh, that we're like, I'm, I'm in my surroundings, even if it's not perfect, at least it's familiar. You see, God is familiar to us. He made us. And when he brings us, he brings him to himself. Watch this. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 30, the Lord your God, who is going before you, he'll fight for you as he did in Egypt before your very eyes. He's speaking to the Israelites uh, in, in, the, in the desert. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way until you reach this place. That promised land was going to be their home. God is going to look for you until, and he's going to carry you until. See the beauty? Look at the last phrase. He's going to search for you until he finds you. He's going to carry you until you are home. Okay, what does that mean? I'm, I'm, I'm reading a lot of Charles Spurgeon these days. I don't know if you know, I've just, and, and reading about his life. I was reading a little a biography on Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a an uh, a, a, a unbelievably uh, effective preacher in, in uh, England in the 1800s. And uh, man, just from a young age, he, he just was able to ar- just preach. And, and literally thousands uh, of people came and got their lives changed through the power of God through, through this man's life. Spurgeon takes on this story, and it's interesting. He says, observe that when the shepherd does find the lost sheep, there is a little touch in the parable that's not often noticed. He does not appear to put it right back in the fold again. He says, "I, I mean, we do not find it so written as a fact to be noted. In other words, he's looking at the story. He's reading between the, Spurgeon's reading between the lines, makes note that, hey, this is not in the story, but he's, giving it context, he said, I suppose he did so ultimate, ultimately. In other words, he's ultimately brought the sheep back to the flock. But the, the point he's trying to make, but for the time being, he keeps it with himself rather than with its fellows, its fellow sheep. The next scene, the shepherd at home saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which is lost. It looks as if Jesus did not rescue a soul so much to the church as to himself. And though the saved one, uh, saved are in the flock, the greatest joy of all is that the sheep is with the shepherd. Now listen carefully. The church is important. The church is critical. The church is the bride of Christ. What he's saying, though, is that when God pursues us, his first stop is that he's pursuing us to him. He didn't say, hey, The flock here, you're missing out on the flock. No, he goes and he puts the sheep on himself. You see, the goal of God's pursuit is to ourselves, to to God himself. So So this is very, very critical as we're sharing our faith story with someone else. Here's what often happens in the Christian culture. We have, we have a neighbor beside us. We, we've been in the same neighborhood now for, good grief, 17, 18 years. She lives a lifestyle that is 
let's say, different than, is, than you find that God lays out in the Scripture. I'm trying to be respectful. And she knows that. She is, is, has no interest in God. She's an atheist by, by her declaration until her mom died. And suddenly she became an agnostic, which means I still have questions about God and where my mom is and how that all works out, which proved to her there were still questions. You see, our first bus stop is not to tell her about her lifestyle. That is not the, the, first, the first bus stop is that she needs Christ. Now, when we come to Christ... What that means is that I'm coming as a willing soul saying, God, I'm willing for you to exchange my old life for your new one. I, I, I'm not going through a checklist. i got to stop this, stop this, start doing this, stop doing this. Stop. I'm willing to do whatever God wants. That's called repentance in the Bible. But I don't have my act completely cleaned up before I come to the shepherd. See, I come to the shepherd because he's pursuing me. And then when I come to the shepherd, when I came to Christ, I didn't know anything about anything. I mean, I'm, I didn't know what was right or wrong to, to a certain degree. I mean, obviously the big ones. I, I know, you know, don't kill people and all that stuff. But, you know, for me, I had lived away from God for so many years, over 20 years. I'm like, oh, that's okay. That's not, God's not into that. Okay. You know, like I keep all my stuff. Yeah, well, everybody keeps all their stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. And then God begins to work in us and give us a greater appetite. And as he's pursued us and put us on his shoulders until he's found us, until he carries us home to himself, then guess what happens? We pursue God. Like, hey, I want to please you. I want to change. Our appetite changes. I want to be in the flock. I didn't want to go into church ever. I hated church. Just said it out loud. I grew up having being having made to go to church. If someone would have come to me and said, look, Steve, you've got to get your life right. Go to church. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That's what it takes to get my life right, to go to church? See, we're not inviting people to church. We're inviting people to Jesus. And then when we come to Christ and we recognize how broken we are, how in need of God we are, you might be sitting right here in a church, happen to be in a church, and you might recognize, maybe it's a conversation at lunch after church, and you recognize, wow, I really need God. Maybe you're at home and you're saying, man, I, that's me, I need God. Well, see, here's the thing. The ultimate pursuit of God came on the cross of Christ. That he recognized that as sheep, we were his. He created us. And that we weren't coming back. We, were, we weren't even able to come back. And we were in a very dangerous place. And God said, I love them so much. I'm going to pursue the human race. And I'm going to send my own son and to die for the human race because they can't help themselves out of their broken, sinful condition. Christ laid his life down on a cross. He took on the sins of the whole world. He offered forgiveness from the cross of mercy 
And we come to him not through ritual or religion or rightness. We come to him because he has pursued us and we know that we need Christ. And then Christ, we say, Christ, come into my life. I'm going to completely depend on you for, my, for, for a relationship with you and for the forgiveness of all my sins. And because of the resurrection that Jesus is not laying in a grave somewhere, he came back, he's able to ignite something supernatural in us. It's not having anything to do with religion or make sure you get it right. Listen, if you are pursuing God, God is pursuing you and you need Christ. You need Christ first. And if you, if you say, now I, get, I want Christ, guess what? You'll begin to have an appetite for community. You'll begin to have an appetite for the word of God. You'll become to have a, a surprising, unexpected appetite to begin to speak with God. This is how God works. And so when you look at this story, it's so um, descriptive of who God is, that he loves us so much because he, he, we are his, he created us, that he knows that we're not coming back without his help. He understands that we're in danger without him. Our life becomes heavy, and he finds us. He searches until he finds us. He carries us, and then he brings us to himself, and then life changes forever. Even if you are a believer, God is still pursuing you. John chapter 14, verse 3, God, Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to go through the, the tunnel of uh, 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 the journey towards death through the cross. And he said, let me, let your hearts be uh, assured. Let your hearts be, uh, be rested in this, that if I go, leave the planet and prepare a place, I will come back and take you not to be in heaven, but to be with me. See, this is God's ultimate pursuit. He's pursuing the human race to be with me that you also may be where I am. Do I want to go to heaven? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be pretty amazing? Amazing, amazing. Ultimately amazing. Tremendously super duper and crazy amazing. Beyond our whole expectation, our imagination, heaven's going to be awesome. Are you looking forward to seeing those who have gone before you? Am I looking forward to seeing my dad? Yep. But I'm ultimately looking forward to being with Christ. That is the ultimate pursuit. I ran out of the store that day. I don't think I had my coat on. It's probably 19 degrees outside. I didn't care what it looked like because my boy was lost and in danger and he wasn't going to find his way back. Man, the crowd, it seemed like the streets were more crowded than normal. Cluttered. People coming, going. I felt, you know, pushing through the crowd, looking with this amazing desperation. I went a half a block. I went a block. I went a block and a half. I was desperate because I thought he was gone. And then I saw him, so scared. Alone, a 12-year-old boy standing frozen in the place where he recognized that no one was with him. He looked me in the eye. Our eyes met. I mean, from a distance, I'll never forget it the rest of my life. Our eyes locked on one another. And we hugged and embraced there, cold as anything, and we were together. He didn't care about the store. 
the hotel, our house back in Florida. He cared about me. And he said to me, Dad, I didn't think I was going to see you again. You see, some people may say, God has given up on me. He's not given up on you. He's pursuing you. He's chasing you. He's moving towards you. Some of you may feel disconnected from God. God is not disconnected from you. He is looking. He is looking. He is looking until. He's looking until. That's the, that's the God that created this world, that created you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your heart. The pursuer of souls, God. Thank you for caring. Thank you for showing us in their worst days, Adam and Hagar and Moses and Thomas and Elijah and Peter. In their worst days, God, you didn't give up. You didn't walk away. You kept coming. You kept coming in our worst days. You keep coming in our best days. You keep coming in our every day. You keep coming, God, until... We're living this life, God, until we see you to be with you. There's not a soul in this room that doesn't want to go to heaven. But God, our, the question is, are we passionate about seeing you, being with you? God, this is your passion. I'm going to prepare a place that you might be with me to be where I am. God, those words, they melt in, in, in our in our heart, they melt, God, over us like a warm blanket. There may be people sitting right here today that say, God, are you sure you see me? It's like my son on the sidewalk in a busy city. You may, you may be saying to yourself, I thought God, I really feel and believe that God has, has left me. Listen, my friend, God has never left you. He never has. Your emotions can play all kinds of tricks on you, but the truth, the absolute truth, the anchor of God's word promises you that God will search for you until. Father, thank you for loving us enough to, to keep moving towards us. I pray, God, today for those that feel disconnected. Maybe they're at home. Maybe they've been at home for a long, long time. Pray that your words and your Holy Spirit, God, would just take them up and literally lift them up and envelop them in this sense that, uh, of your pursuit of them. Thank you for making us. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for looking for us. Finally, God, I pray for those who are exploring truth, exploring spirituality. Really, God, they're looking for you that in this pursuit of, of saying there's something different, there's something outside of just this physical world, the answer is that's right. It's the God who made it. And maybe you're here today, maybe you're online today, you're sitting right in your, your home or your apartment, maybe you're sitting right in this room and you're saying, I need God. He has pursued you as if you were the only sheep on the planet, the only person on the planet in such a way that I described through the cross of Christ. Now, won't you come to him? Won't you reach your hands toward heaven and say, God, no games, no games. 
No trickery, no religion, no ritual, none of that, God. I'm coming raw, and I need you. I want to depend on Christ alone, on the sacrifice on the cross, on Christ alone today. I want to find forgiveness in the shepherd, the Savior. And I'm willing, God, to follow you. I'm willing. I don't even know what that is, God, but my heart in this moment is saying, God, I want you. And I'm willing to take my life and exchange it. The life I'm leading, the life I've been in charge of all these years, God, I want you to be in charge of my life. Is that your prayer? God is pursuing you. God has pursued you. God will pursue you. Why wait? There's no trickery in God. He bared himself in front of the whole world open. Why not bear your heart right now? Speak to him in your own language. God, I want you right now. Jesus, I depend on you for forgiveness. Come inside my heart. Ignite, supernaturally ignite. Is that the prayer of your heart? God has been waiting all your life for this conversation, this moment of faith, this moment of dependence on him. Thank you, Father, for loving us. God, you are, you are a way maker. You have made a way through Jesus. We worship you, God, as the community of uh, your church, God, whom you love, as, as sheep who have been found, so many of us, God. We worship you and thank you. You are deservant of our praise, and we're so grateful, God, for reminding us today of your heart, the heart of a good father. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.